from the worlds of sports, media, finance, and politics. We are continuing our chat with Amir and Liam from last week as we delve deeper into topics of race and politics and focus on the road ahead. How can we ensure that activism and advocacy for racial justice is upheld? How can environments to confront racial bias be created across party lines? And how does Amir, running as an independent, uh, play a part of that? How are athletes' skills transferable to the worlds of politics and the fight for wider systemic change? Great one for all the current or former athletes out there. I think uh, Amir gives a real good answer to that. So for anyone who uh, who's trying to pitch their next prospective employee or just for the, for the sake of, of knowing. Um, and in a call for justice that has swept the entire U.S. and much of Europe, can an increasingly empowered and non-conformist generation fix the issues at hand in increasingly fragmented multinational states such as the US and the UK, for example, which Liam and Amir will touch upon. And to end it, we've got a few special questions. Um, so a little entertaining, but also a little saucy at the same time. So uh, wait until then to, to, to hear to hear that, um, and that will also conclude our um, our chat with Amir and Liam in our two parts. Um, so enjoy, and I'll catch up with you after the episode. There is a, a a dissonance almost between what is an American or what is a British identity, um, and Liam, obviously now being since Kieran subscribes to numerous political magazines, I'll actually get an insight into uh, the UK politics. Actually, I featured in one last week, believe it or not. <laughs> you need it again then, the podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> to be fair, it was <laughs> a good one. <laughs> um, no, but there, and well, from what my impression, obviously in, in the UK, there is this fragmentation, right? There, you have this multinational state, and then there seems to be this dissonance between what is a what is a British identity or what is an American identity? Can you try and explain how your experiences with that has been? I was I was brought up uh, obviously in in a mixed mixed family. My, my dad's family came over on Windrush, uh, and my mum's family were here or from Ireland, also immigrants. So I come from two generations ago. Both my parents are immigrants, but as a person of colour, I'm only asked to identify where my color comes from rather than where I'm actually from. So I was always brought up that the, the sixties when the sixties and the time people came over was real bad. And then I was under the assumption that my time growing up was okay. There wasn't much conflict. Then Brexit happened and it's all gone to pot basically. But I would, I would argue that that really isn't the case. I'd, I'd say racism has always been here in the UK. Uh, I find the comparisons between American racism, which I think is a lot more overtly racist, is a much more overtly racist country from an outside looking in to a UK's like death by a thousand cuts almost. Like it wears you away, it grinds at you until you get to your mid twenties or wherever, whenever it hits you where you're consciously realize that your experience is different to your friends who aren't of color. Um, but it has definitely gotten a lot worse uh, since Brexit. I think the Leave campaign put forward a horrible campaign that uh, played highly on people's xenophobia 
and racism and had given people a platform to say outrageous things. Um, and since then, it, it's got progressively worse until now. It's all intertwined somehow. I do think, you know, the president here, I try not to say his name too much. He, he I think, by being as mm, brazen and vulgar and racist as he has been over the past four years, uh, I think that's, that's empowered or in some sick way, it's empowered people who feel the same way to then express their own feelings. Um, and yeah, that, that nationalism, and the here we call it white nationalism, um, is very, it's, it's hard to understand, um, but it is an undercurrent that's happening. And, you know, um, I think that there's a major education that has to, has to go down for people like that to understand that that's not the way the world works. And that's not the way, you know, our country can work. Um, and I, I hope, you know, we're, we're in the middle of these struggles everywhere, I think, or in a lot of places, um, not everywhere, but everyone's in a, some sort of struggle, but, um, I hope that this particular issue can, um, you know, move towards away from that sentiment of nationalism and you know, this is mine and not yours. And we can start to, you know, move collectively um, and think about us. Um, and it's, it's hard for me to understand how that's, that's cropped up over the past few years. Um, you know, when, when before I don't, it, it, it was under the surface, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm not sure, but, you know, globally, there's work for us to do, you know, all of us. Uh, uh, no joys of politics, you can end up talking for hours and hours. But mm -hmm. Amir, and all of you actually have had some experience living in the States. Do you think Trump, excuse how flippant this comes out, but is Trump a product of Obama? As in, was America not ready for Obama? Therefore, they swung the other way and voted Trump. Do you think if Obama hadn't have happened, we might be looking at an America with a slightly more central, politically aligned president. Yeah, I'd say I think I think that's that's right in a lot of ways. I think there were and still are a lot of people here, obviously, who wouldn't be ready for another black president, right? So, and that sentiment, all the sentiments that have now come above the surface were there, you know, when he was in office. And yes, I think you're right. I think, I think that they were simmering and, you know, then boiled over at a point. And um, I think there was a combination of things also. I, I don't know if we had the strongest candidate to follow, you know, to follow Obama up. Um, and I, I'm not nothing critical against 
Hillary Clinton, but um, you know, I think we really needed someone to to unify us even further at that point. And yeah, I, so to answer your question, it it seems like it seems like these moments have always kind of juxtaposed themselves throughout history when there's a, a moment of freedom or where where one one group you know gains some ground um at least in the in in america it's been this way um there's been these kind of back and forth struggles i think it'd be that's across the board in a lot of places um but i think you're you're spot on with that in a lot of ways and i also think it's important to note that America's unfortunately an isolated case. You know, it's a nationalistic tide sweeping in over several countries, also in Europe with the cases of Brexit in the UK, yep. um, Hungary, Poland. Uh, so yep. it is a challenge worldwide. And so it's definitely a, 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 an ideological trend almost when it's faced with. And that's why the work that which you do and represent, and also you mentioning earlier, the fact that you can be an inspiration for other African-Americans and saying how these skills can translate. I'd be just curious, just for us, for you to specify what skills are you, are you referring to or thinking of? Yeah. Well, you guys know you're, you're, we can all carry yourself well in the press, you know, in front of a group of people. I think those things and how you, present yourself are are paramount then if you look outside of public speaking just to interpersonal communications and being relatable like i said you know i think that's massive if you're looking at how do i you have to build relationships with people in congress right or people in government your colleagues you, know, you got to work together teamwork is essential right you got to find a way to work with people you don't really like. <laughs> and all of us know how that is, right? In a team environment. Um, and then I'd just say beyond that, we, we have a unique drive and will, you know, to get things accomplished. You know, we're of a very small percentage. You're able to do things that we've done. And I don't think that we should shy away from that. Um, it takes a, people try to dumb us down, you know, and say, oh, you play football, you're a footballer, right? Mm -hmm. But it, you know what it takes to play the game. It's not just a, it's, it's not just a physical thing. It's very much cerebral. And as far as like developing yourself and, you know, navigating a career, it's, it's super cerebral. Mm -hmm. um so i just think all of those things i mean what else what else i could the other thing i would point to is just mm, if you carry if you pulled on the, the manchester united jersey you know for 10 odd years then would you be capable of you know a seat in city government there you know and just to pose a 
a parallel, you know, if you played at Old Trafford for a decade, can you then be a council member? You know, in DC, we have city council members. And, and I, I think the answer is going to be yes, because that person has also been involved in the community. Most likely Um, they've built a lot of relationships and, and this, that, you know, I could, I could go down the line, but I think, you know, this, go ahead, Liam. I think it comes to, I, I don't know if you saw our, our uni and the PFA uh, recently released a survey that studied all of the commentary in Europe's top leagues and uh, discussed the racial yeah. bias that players face from commentary. Uh, just to really, really summarise, darker skinned players were often referred to as fast uh, they were more likely to be criticised for their technical and less likely to be praised for their technical attributes. And I'd say in answer to what you said about could someone then go on to have another career, I think as much as society needs to change in its way, it will allow people to do that. Players also um, are in a position now where they can express other interests. How many Premier League players have got YouTube channels? How many are putting output out that isn't related to football? So. I think it, if any generation's going to do it, it's this one and the next one, uh, because the the confinements of being a footballer are now much broader than they ever were. Mm. But um, people need to be uh, a lot more receptacle to, to to that. Amir, you touched on it a few minutes ago when you were talking about the white supremacy and the white nationalism and how we see that a lot on the right. But I feel like that gives that can give off the disillusion that racism is only a problem on the right, on the Republican side, whereas we can see it on with the Democrats, the Liberals, the Progressives, although it might not be as overt, we see it in coded language and their kind of unconscious racial bias. Do you think running as an independent kind of gives you a unique role to challenge challenge both sides? Yeah, that's a good question and a good point. I So I, first of all, I agree this, that, that, that racism permeates our society, you know, and I can speak on it here through, through my personal experience. And yeah, on, on the liberal side, even in a city like DC, you know, you feel microaggressions, you feel different things. I've been pulled over here in DC (laughs) several times. Um, So, so, all of those things are very much true. It's not just a, you know, a one-sided problem. I, I don't know if being an independent makes me more uh, equipped to t- to tackle that. I think I would, either way, be just as outspoken. It does give me, a, it allows me a middle ground, if you will, to to speak openly and honestly without maybe hurting somebody's feelings, you know, otherwise that I'd be aligned with. Um, so I hadn't thought about it like that. I, I think I, I'm going to be as honest and forthcoming as possible. Uh, and I'm going to address those and, and all issues that are affecting our communities, you know, like I said, honestly and, and openly. So, um, it's that's an important thing you see that with so pay to play soccer 
is, you know, everyone around BC, you know, all these parents who are in the pay to play soccer system would say that they're liberal, probably Democrat, right? But that's systemic racism, pay to play soccer. And everybody has decided in the sense that it keeps black and brown kids out in the sense that it costs too much money and there's all these issues for kids and families to participate, right? Language barriers even, right? Um, for immigrant families. Um, so there, I'm not saying that it's their problem for participating in that construct, but it is a problem. I think that everyone willingly turns a blind eye in the pay to play so- use soccer construct here in America as if it's not, you know, systemic racism or an, an aspect of it, um, or, you know, uh, uh, a result of sim- systemic racism, you know, in a really, on a, on a micro level. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's super important to address, I think, just to make that tie. I think what Open Gold does is kind of getting at a little bit of that. And I hope that, you know, people need to, people need to not just make those decisions, like pay the $2,000 registration fee for their kid, but think about, okay, what, what is the club doing for the community as I'm giving them this check, you know, or that's it for, for more broadly, you know, everyone can, can make a difference and, it's important to call those things out. So I totally agree. Yeah. Would, would you say party politics will exist for uh, the foreseeable future? Because for me, I can't see a way that I, I don't conform. I mean, I'm predominantly probably left center, but if I was representing the Labour Party, I wouldn't agree with everything they said. If I was representing the Conservative Party, I wouldn't agree with everything they said. And I think as, as young people now, well, Young Ishamir, I'll give you that one. We're, um, we're, we, we, I don't know if we like to conform as much as previous generations. I think I, I don't see a way that you can, you might predominantly agree with one side, but I don't know how someone can be comfortable in themselves to represent one set of ideas that you then have to make all your decisions by. So I think independent, uh, maybe you're about to set a, a great trend. I hope so. We're conformity is not we're not a we're not a conformist generation, you know, and and I don't think exactly like you said, why should we just subscribe to a bunch of other ideas that somebody else has presented us versus, you know, deciding what we stand for and how we're going to live that out. This podcast is sponsored by Pimp Society, a sustainable Norwegian fashion brand that specializes in hand painting and customizing second-hand clothing. As the calls for a sustainable clothing industry are stronger than ever, I deeply encourage you to be part of this movement as it sure is to be a part of the future. And with Pimp Society, you will be in good hands. You can request any type of design for your clothing you can find them at pimp society on instagram on facebook under the same name and you can make orders or inquiries uh, through 
Facebook messages or Instagram messages. So please check it out um, and uh, I can guarantee you, you won't regret it. Now back to our chat with Amir and Liam. Just to kind of round off this as part of the discussion, how do we ensure that this kind of this conversation, this the upsurge in activism that we've seen in the recent months, how do we ensure that this isn't just a fad that we've sometimes seen in the past that we we continue and we continue to raise the consciousness of people ac- across all races? Uh, do, sorry, mate. I'll just dive in. Just uh, for me, it's uh, I I don't think people will tolerate borderline stuff the way that they previously would tolerate borderline stuff. Uh, for example, um, Mark has actually popped down to Manchester one night. We popped out to a bar, Amir, and we'd been talking to these people for a good amount of time. And then out of the blue, a lady said, look at my superior white skin as she put her hand on my hand. Now, previously, I've, I haven't felt, maybe this is a, a flaw on my part, but I haven't felt in a position to say, that's really wrong. Because you get that low-level stuff all of the time here. Mm-hmm. So I'm... Whereas I'm empowered now as someone of colour that, do you know what, if someone says that to me, you're going to know that you won't say that again because I'll tell you that that's definitely not a thing that you should say. And I think as a collective, uh, I mean, I hate speaking on behalf of everybody who looks similar to me, um, but I just don't think we'll allow ourselves to, to put up with low-level stuff that we have previously just accepted. Uh, a friend of mine... Uh, some friends of mine I used to do athletics with, Bianca Williams and Ricardo de Santos. I'm not sure if the news reached you guys, but we're just pulled over uh, 17 times. He's been pulled over since he bought his Mercedes uh, and they've now made a formal complaint to the police. Um, and I think that sort of response to incidences that we'd previously just go, we have to accept that because that's what we've had our whole life. I don't think people will allow anymore. I certainly yeah, and I was just going off that. I, even though we, I remember that, and I remember telling her how wrong it's, I regret not reacting more strongly in terms of saying, or oh, you can say that is that is fucked up, pretty much. Yeah. But not, but I regret not saying we should just leave to, to just yeah. distance yourself because, and I because that's those are the and that was more overt, overtly yeah. racist. But for for us, it's these subtleties, like you say, in the case of of your acquaintances who drove the Mercedes. These are these are the subtleties, so quote unquote subtleties and microaggressions that we are not familiar with, and those are the ones that need to be communicated uh, to create a discussion around. Because other than that, we are privileged enough to not to not uh, experience that at all. Yeah, microaggressions, I think, are the the base level that will no longer be tolerated, I'd say, to summarise. And then I'm hoping that that then stems into less overt racism. Yeah, I agree with with everything Liam said. I think, you know, on a day-to-day basis, if we're all, not just black people, white people as well, people of every race, really addressing these issues head on and those microaggressions, then you start to check those people who were otherwise walking around getting away with doing it, you know, and getting away with abusing people, um, you know, for lack of 
a, a more appropriate term, but that's what it is, right? Um, and then I, I think it's voting, right? You know, it's, it's making sure that we continue to use our platforms like we all are, um, encouraging the next generations to do so um, along the way. And uh, still just pushing, I think we all got to push the envelope in our own way. You know, and, 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 and like we're saying, we're coming from four different nationalities, right? Um, coming together in 2020 and talking about the same issue and how it's permeating globally. Um, so these conversations, I think, too, are going to be more and more important. Like, how do we get to the bottom of it? Hopefully, and I do think football is a big has a big part to play in this. I was, you know, before I, before I don't get a chance to insert this, Jaden Sancho was the first person, I think, who had George Floyd's name just on his shirt, um, you know, shortly after it happened. And that was just such a powerful moment for me as a black American to see him an Englishman in Germany, right, scoring a goal and showing that it was like, wow, okay, like, you know, we we can we can do something here, you know, we can really make an impact. And that was powerful. I I haven't experienced uh, a feeling that powerful um in a while, just for me to see that if you if if you guys can put that into context or absolutely uh, you know it, it was just uh it it was amazing and and i really felt proud to know that it was getting that you know that that people were feeling compelled to act that far away um and that it had that kind of reach and that it was through football also. I mean, exactly. You know, like we have a, who has a bigger platform than footballers? Really? I mean, it's hard to say. Um, and all, I'll also say the black lives matter on all the premier league shirts. Um, you know, I think it was Eintracht Frankfurt who did do put that on their Jersey as well. Those are all powerful things to see. And, you know, it just it just shows us that we can move the conversation in the right direction. And th those actions have been incredible. But I'd say every act of solidarity I've seen, I've also seen uh, people you'd say were friends or acquaintances posting things that was anti that message. So it's been a real emotional roller coaster. Excuse the cliche, but what one day I'm like, everyone's together on this message look at all these empowering things and then you just realize how many people are scared of that change so it's hard to summarize because it is so systematic i think education is one of the biggest things that needs a complete reform uh, and the way that black people and people of color are happy to be perceived in media arts music every single part of society needs to be a gradual change before the actual issue will go. So it's, it's impossible to summarize because it stems through every single part of society. And I'm hoping that this will at least start to change some of those. And it seems just like, it seems as if those that 
do oppose it, it's, it's just generally rooted in misconception as to what the message stands for. And that's maybe the biggest grievance of them all is that understand the message, understand what it stands for, we can agree. But if people tend to uh, stand on, be discussing two different parts, you can never really um, kind of find a resolution. And that's what's most frustrating about it, this, this misconception. Is people being annoyed at, at three words as if the community that are saying them haven't suffered 10 times worse daily, you know? I find it mind-boggling. Absolutely. Yep. We have, you guys have been absolute gentlemen uh, spending over an hour with us and we come to the, to the end here. Um, some more, uh, some questions that uh, will require further thinking and we thought we'd test it out on you guys since you guys seem uh you know are rather uh rather smart people so we'd like to ask first what in the last five years what new belief behavior or habit has uh most improved your life uh karma karma's a real thing <laughs> you. you did yeah. say earlier that you believed in, in that <laughs> stuff so you're actually stacking it up Karma gets you real quick. Honestly, you say one bad thing, stub your toe. You say two bad things, stub the other toe. No, believing in karma, she's she's there and she's a scary one. So you're so, uh, a self-proclaimed Buddhist then, or is it just separate from? I could, I could get on board with some Buddhism, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, Take okay. bits and bobs from each each thing I can learn. Namaste, but yeah, namaste, brother. Yeah, believing in karma because I feel if you project if a positive attitude i'd like to think it comes back to you um uh i make a much more conscious effort now to be nice to, if 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 i disagree i'm happy to have a conversation about that but i think when you're young you, you can often get caught into just saying things that aren't nice and you're not the nicest person you can be so i like to be a lot more uh thoughtful in my decisions and hope that karma in turn repays the favor. So yeah, last five years, what belief? I definitely have to go with karma. That's a nice one. Love it, love that. For, for me, so for me, it's uh, similar, uh, similar to Liam, you know, that positive energy that he's mentioning. I think my, my understanding and i alluded this to this before that's been most powerful has been not giving back and building my community and and what that has brought back in turn into me and just generally how it's made me feel um but doing that and seeing the impact of, of on the people around me has been um this invaluable so I'd say that, you know, putting that positive energy out definitely comes back around. As uh, Mark has said, he's been doing a deep dive and trying to find <laughs> exciting questions to end the episode. So good, I'll let you guys take as much time as you need with this next one. But if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, hypothetically speaking, uh, it can be a... a uh, one word, a few words, a phrase, or a quote from someone else. What would it say and why? Vote for Amir. I think Amir. Is <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's a big billboard in DC before the election would be. 
<laughs> yeah, that one actually is pretty relevant to you. Yeah. So that, that, yeah, that, is, that is a cop-out answer. There would be more a message where you were, what message you would like to get across. What would it say or why, basically? But it could be a quote that you've seen somewhere. It doesn't have to yeah. be something you create yourself. Karma's a bitch, is Liam's, I think, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm a, I, living in moments, I think, for me is so important. Whether that would be living, live in moment, ah, be nice is also, it's so simple. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's sort of sharp. I'd go, yeah, live in the moment or, or be nice. I do anything for a story, me. So uh, yeah, living in the moment or, or be nice. They're both cliches, but uh, they're they're perfectly apt for any situation you're ever in. No, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. I mean, you're me, still going for you're still going for the one I suggested or something else. I think I would have to. You know, <laughs> it's hard to. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm not accepting donations for my campaign. Uh, so if that was on offer, I'd definitely take that billboard. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we can do. It'd probably be a pricey, probably <laughs> a pricey it, it, could be, it could be vote, I'm here, all in one word. So it would, <laughs> it would sound like vote, I'm here, but it would be spelled vote, I'm here, hi. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going to give you that, Leo. <laughs> We'll let it go for the creativity. Thanks. <laughs> well, lastly, then, um, this is a big one, obviously, but what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? When people think Liam or people think Amir, what do you want them to think? Yeah, I, I would say I would want people to know that mm, I would not want people to know that I uh, open doors for others, uh, that I built my community, you know, as much as I possibly could, uh, that I gave back to my community as much as I could. Um, you know, my, my legacy, I hope, will be the football club that we're starting. You know, I hope. Yep, DCFC, I hope that that will be like long past I'm around, something that's still entrenched in the DC community. Um, if and, you could hurry that up, there's three people who would probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, but um, yeah, that, that, would be, that would be it, I think, you know, just, you know doing doing those positive things and building up people around me it's hard to follow they're very just they're very just things mine were going to be less just than that That's I'd okay. say, uh, even if you just inspire like people immediately around you if you go just that close i'd like anyone who's met me to just feel as if they met someone who gave everything a go as, as much as they could and i believe that you should try everything the best to your ability. And I think having different life experiences, uh, which are still ongoing, um, I think that's a legacy in itself is 
living in a few different countries, meeting as many interesting people. I find uh, relationships are one of the most important things for me. And uh, Amir, I met you a handful of times over the space of a few weeks, but I feel as if the conversations we've had enable us to, if you're ever here, we can always, you can come stay, we can go for a drink, same with you two, like having relationships. I think is is important and that's a legacy in itself being someone that is uh always available to have a conversation and has met as many interesting people as possible and lived life as full as possible i think is a, a good enough legacy for me i vouch for uh, liam here amir he, liam is fun on a night out to be fair so it's, it's well <laughs> worth it <laughs> guys you guys have been absolute gentlemen for taking the time i really really appreciated the discussion i have I know Kieran did too. Uh, I learned a lot. And to be able to discuss matters like this with you guys is something I'll, uh, I'll very much cherish. So thanks so much. Thank thanks, you, Paradox and Amir. Good luck. Good luck with, uh, with the campaign. And always thanks for having us on. It was, it was really good to, to put everything down. Uh, podcasts are the best for that. Yeah, this was awesome. I'd say, again, the chance to bring us all together, um, the, the chance to be on this platform with you guys across across different nationalities and cultures. It's, it's a powerful thing, so I really appreciate it. Hope we can do it again sometime. Thanks for listening to BroPod. That concludes our chat with Amir and Liam. If you do, however, want to stay updated on their journey, their lives, as I suggest you should. You can find their Twitter tags in our episode bio. And on our Twitter, BroPod1, we'll be sharing updates, content they've made, projects they're engaged in, so that you can get to know Amir and Liam further. And lastly, we wish Amir all the best as he runs for Congress in DC. We'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks.